Hey there, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. For anyone that is new to the show, my name is Matt Sapala, and I am your host. I'm a qualified personal trainer and currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. I created this platform to help share vital information aiming to help you guys lead a happier, healthier, longer, fruitful life. This week on the show, I sat down with special guest and yogi Ryan Mannix. Ryan is an extremely humble man with a plethora of wisdom. He is revamping the yoga and meditation space by providing practical content to help you guys go within more often. Ryan went from chasing and living the life as a professional athlete to devastatingly suffering an injury which led him down the yoga and meditation route. He's built a legacy in this space and I can't wait to share his wisdom with you all today. He is also a running coach, a Lululemon ambassador, a yoga instructor like I said before and an all-round great guy so this one is a must listen. Ryan's tone is just one of the many ways he radiates positivity and kindness and I was so grateful to be able to share his journey with you all this week. Alongside this, we were lucky enough to be guided through a five-minute meditation towards the end of the show, and this was extremely grounding and provided us with a little insight into the feeling and emotions of going within and connecting with your breath. I hate to state the obvious here, guys, but please do not partake in the meditation if you are operating any sorts of machinery, driving, or doing any activity that requires your undivided attention. Let Ryan and myself know that you're listening by screenshotting the cover and posting it on socials, folks, and tagging the Euphoria Health page and Ryan's Instagram also. Well, that's enough from me. I hope you enjoy this show, and I will see you on the other side. Ryan Mannix, welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm uh honored to be on your platform and stoked to be able to connect with some perhaps different listeners. Yeah, so cool to be able to share your journey as well, man. I'm really, really excited to get into this whole conversation. I think there's never been a more important time to discuss the things that we're going to discuss. But before we get into that, how are you going with the whole COVID situation that's happening in the world at the moment? We were chatting off air before about how bizarre it is and how we're going to be talking about this situation for decades to come. But what what have you been up to during this whole period? It is, isn't it? It's such a gnarly time to be living, you know, such a unique time, I think, in everyone's life. Um, I've sort of found out that if I have structure and routine and I have a rhythm to the day, I've been um, almost, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. You know, I've, I've really settled into something that's, um, that's new and, and different and unique. I, as I said before, I'm definitely learning new things, especially even with the online stuff and, you know, even down to microphones and whatnot, um, switch some of the stuff I do online. But yeah, I've sort of enjoyed the slower pace. There was a point actually, and I think I've spoken to a few people about this. There was a point last year where I said, gee whiz, I'd, I'd like to slow down for a little bit at the moment. I, life's going pretty quick. And, and then when you sort of get hit in the face with it, when you slow down, you realize that, oh, actually, um, it is pretty nice to slow down. There's a forced slow down. So I've sort of enjoyed that, you know, take a little bit more time to, study and be at home and um, create content and be inspired by, you know, get creative. I think the slowing down helps me get creative. So I've enjoyed that. 
Yeah, definitely, dude. I love that aspect that you mentioned about slowing down. I think that's it's something that we could all utilize more in our life. And this forced slowdown has really given us the opportunity to narrow in on what's a priority in our life and start shifting our attention to the things that, you know, are super, super important, such as our health, our mental well-being and all those sorts of things. Connection, you know, like even smiling to people. We've, we've been stripped away of that right to see people smiling. So it's, it's, um, it's crazy how much we're going to appreciate those little things once we get back into a normal sort of life. And hopefully people have adapted their methods from this slowdown period into their regular life. And, and create a more sustainable lifestyle you do don't you you realize what's important i think there's real merit in that what you just said you know you, you slow when you slow down and when the dust sort of settles you realize that wow you know what what am i doing that really lights me up and what could i be doing more that that sort of has that sort of similar feeling or what what could i let go of things that don't serve me perhaps um and not in a negative kind of way or connotation but i think you're right like when you slow down you notice what's important and that's been really unique and um, probably groundbreaking for, I know myself, but maybe other people out there listening as well. Yeah, absolutely, dude. So, so good to see that you're looking at this situation from a glass, glass half full mentality. And I think it's taken a little bit for me to start shifting my focus towards that, but I'm really enjoying that, um, that aspect as well. Now, Ryan, I'd love to get into everything that you're doing within the health, well-being, meditation space. Before we do that, I'd love to strip it right back to the beginning. And for my listeners at home, talk to us a little bit about your background and what life was like for Ryan Mannix growing up. Um, so yeah, thanks, Matt. I was, um, definitely never thought I'd be doing what I'm, I'm doing now. That's for sure. Teaching yoga and, um, into the, I mean, I was always in the wellness space in some, in some way, shape or form. I grew up as an athlete, so I enjoyed running and uh, had some success in running. And as a result, um, sort of chased the running goals for a, a long period of time you know, all, all through my teens and all through my twenties, um, trying to chase running goals. And that sort of led me to represent my country, you know, in the world championships if a couple of times with, um, duathlon and, and running overseas and, you know, living in Kenya and, and living overseas. So I think the running for me was always a starting point into, I think my values now, which are community and, um, collaboration and connection, but it sort of started with running as runners. If you're a runner out there and I know, a lot of people are at the moment are running, especially in COVID. I've noticed that there's, there's such community around running. You know, you come together and it's a great, you know, obviously it's a great activity to do by yourself, but there's also a lot of community in running. You know, you come together and you run with people and you have a sense of connection and there's something to wake up for and set the alarm and get up and, and train with people and run with people. So for me, growing up was always sort of in that um, setting and, as a result, I know you're right into your nutrition and health. As a result of being an athlete, I started to really get inspired by performance and, you know, what little one percenters could help my performance. And I noticed that nutrition had a big part to tell in uh, my performance and my output. So the more, you know, the healthier I, I, I became with what I, I fueled my body with, um, I think my performance definitely um was influenced by that so um, from that I started to yeah I actually dabbled in sort of food coaching and I thought about you, you know um, dietetics and I sort of studied that a little on the side um, I've always had a passion on that so in that and 
Yeah, so all the I definitely feel like I've been in the wellness industry for a long time now, from an athlete or you know from a running coach, a sort of triathlon coach, and also helping people with, I guess, a little bit with their nutrition as well. Not that I was ever qualified. I mean, I've done a little bit at uni, but I just have a passion for wellness. You know, feeling good and and moving good. Yeah, definitely. Looking at the your lifestyle from a holistic point of view, and and trialing and and implementing different avenues into your life that are going to make you have a better quality of life and thrive in the aspect that you're in. I'm interested, Ryan, why did you enjoy running? What, what sort of sparked that for you? Well, yeah, growing, I mean, isn't it true? Like if you have a role model in your life or someone that you sort of, I always grew up around, my dad was always doing like long course triathlons and I used to, he used to have a really cool little community. He used to have a triathlon club and all of the the guys that were in the triathlon club, I used to go out and I'd ride my bike next to them and they'd, they'd go for a long run and I'd, there'd be, you know, a bunch of 10 or so of them. And I'd always ride my bike, you know, as a little sort of, I don't know, 10 year old, ride my bike with these guys and just admired them, look, looked up to them and noticed that, wow, these guys are so fit and active. And I sort of had that inspiration um, early on growing up as a kid and then I started actually getting off the bike and running with these guys. You know, it was really fun to run beside them. And um, as a result, I sort of, you know, kept my running going. And there was a few other little backstories around running. But I just enjoyed the process of, you know, every year seeing if my training was working, you know, refining and finding little one percenters to, to, to help, I mean, improve my running performance. It was always for me about performance. At the same time, I really enjoyed running the aspect of, the freedom that it brought, you know, I could go out for a run and everything that I sort of was concerned about on that day, or if there was a worry, I sort of just left that behind and there was such freedom in running. Um, so I definitely enjoyed that. And I still enjoy it to this day. Actually, I went for a run this morning down on the river trails in um, near Collingwood there and just in the bush, you know, running along and feeling free. I, I don't think there's a feeling for me like it. It's such freedom in that. I'd have to agree with you there, Ryan. I've recently just got into running. I always, you know, loved sprinting and, and short bursts of energy and and adapted my whole training philosophy around power and plyometrics and stuff like that. And I've recently incorporated some longer distance runs and there's just, it's an inexplainable feeling you get from, it's almost like a euphoric feeling you get during the run. And after you, you know, combat those mental demons of not wanting to go for a run and then just stepping out and putting one foot after another on, a, on the pavement, it's just really hard to describe. So I can definitely feel what you're talking about there, man. Mm, totally, isn't it? And I think, you know, it's a battle at the start. If there's anyone out there that's sort of listening, that's perhaps thinking or dabbling in running, notice that it's, it's such a, it can be a battle at the start. Like it can be pretty, you know, the last thing you want to do is put your shoes on and go out and sort of, it could be quite um, excruciating to go for a run and, you know, it's, it's quite taxing on the body. But then there's a point, I think there's a tipping point where, you know, if there's repetition and you're consistent with it and, you know, you recover well, you know, you might be running three times a week, even if it's like for 20 minutes, there's a tipping point where running starts to become, feel natural. It feels quite natural and you can run, not that there's, there's, there's still effort involved, but you run with less effort and you can actually enjoy the process rather than sort of wrestle the process of running, which I find comes from consistency. And once you hit that tipping point, then the sky's the limit. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And uh, I can't remember who it was, but when I was younger playing footy at my local club, someone 
told me once that the hardest part about going for a run is actually putting your, your runners on and tying your shoelaces. And I could not agree more once you actually, you know, get involved and start throwing yourself and immersing yourself into the process of running and start enjoying that aspect. I think it becomes less of a chore and you start to, you know, notice all of those finer intricacies when you're going for a run. Totally. And I think, you know, that's sort of lends itself to anything, isn't it? Um, even with mindfulness and meditation at the start, the last thing you want to do is sit down on a cushion and meditate for, you know, 20 minutes in the morning. You might think there's better things to do or you could be out hanging, hanging out with your mates or getting extra training in. But once you sort of do it, it becomes natural and there's a sort of rhythm to it that you really enjoy the process of it. So it's no longer sort of such a, I guess, a chore to sit on the cushion or go out for a run. You know, I think it's with anything, isn't it? That The more you do it and practice it, it becomes there's such ease in, in the, in the practice. You know? Definitely right. And I know we're going to get into all of that later on in terms of meditation and how we can take yoga and meditation off the mat and incorporate it into our everyday lifestyle. And I think running is a great example of that. Heading back into your journey, you know, as a professional athlete and representing Australia, what sort of sparked that dream for you? And when did that dream become a reality? Yeah, I think I always, um, well, I think in my high school sort of years, I realized that I had a bit of success as a runner. And I think as a kid, you know, if you get a little, um, even as an adult, if you have success in anything, you sort of, that starts the ball rolling. Like I never used to be good at maths. And I remember in year 10, my maths teacher said, oh, you know, you, you, you're doing really well at maths this year. And it sort of sparked this, this um, I would say, you know, enthusiasm to, to do good at maths once you start to have a little success in something. And so early on, I had some, some success as a runner um, just in the cross country. I had a beautiful coach guy called the name, by the name of John Ma um, growing up. And he, he just sort of fostered this. It was just such fertile soil for running. You know, he'd, he'd take us to the Dandenongs to run on Sundays with all the, you know, the Australian champions and guys that were in the Olympics. So I was able to mix from a young age with some guys that were sort of doing really well and having lots of success. And I sort of realized that yeah, these guys are just blokes, you know, I could do this sort of stuff too. And then I moved to Ballarat to run with some, um, at the time Ballarat had the best runners in Australia. A guy called Steve Monaghetti was living there and another guy called Lee Troop. So after high school finish, I packed my bags and moved to Ballarat. And in the process of being in Ballarat, I was introduced to a lot of Kenyan athletes as well. A lot of Kenyans would come down and stay in Ballarat and, you know, run with us. And when our sort of athletic season was on, there was also always some big races that the Kenyans would come out for. So from that process, I realized that, you know, once Ballarat sort of finished and my university days finished, I realized that, well, I'm going to go over and sort of train with the Kenyans. That, that were the best runners in the world at the time. So there was always that drive to, I guess, be the best or be the best I could be. And I always sort of, and even to this day, you know, if there's someone that's inspiring me, I'll sort of just go and hang out with them. I think just go and hang out with them, see what they're up to, see what they're doing and, and just sort of get around that. And I think that's been really useful. It's opened a lot of doors. So yeah, moved to Kenya and started running there and um, had some success on the road in Europe after that and, and then got injured. And then when I came back and it was an injury that sort of knocked me on, on my bum for a little bit. I was on crutches for like 18 weeks. Had a, um, oh, actually the first injury I was, you know, it was just a stress fracture and had problems with my, my feet as well. So I took up cycling and then I really enjoyed the process of cycling. So I took on that sport. And um, from there, I adopted 
duathlon, the sport of duathlon, which was at the time massive in Europe. Like you'd see all these like massive races throughout Europe, World Cups and these World um, Grand Prix series. Um, so I sort of just chased that and um, lucky enough to represent my country a couple of times in, in the sport of duathlon. And so, yeah, that's sort of where it sparked. I think from a young age, I think I had a great role model in that coach, John Maher, and I guess some of the guys growing up as a kid, I always just, I was always inspired by fitness, you know, and, and pushing the body and sort of seeing, you know, how, how fast things, how, how much you could refine something, you know, I was always sort of, even a training program, how to sort of break it, make it, change it, you know, make it better. Um, that was always definitely inspiring. Love that journey there, Ryan. And you mentioned that you went over and moved to Kenya for a little bit. I'm absolutely a huge fan of, you know, connection and creating these amazing experiences that you do adapt and evolve from. I'm interested to see what the Kenyan lifestyle was like and what important lifestyle lessons did you learn over there that you now adopt in your current life? Yeah, it was simplicity. You know, it was, it was really interesting when you went, when I went to Kenya, I thought there would be a lot of science behind, I mean, being the best runners at the time in the world, I knew that obviously they would be training hard and that was a given, you know, these guys definitely train hard. I wouldn't say they tried train harder than anyone in Australia. I mean, there's some guys out there, everyone sort of trains hard, but I just think the simplicity of things, you know, you strip things back. And what I noticed was evident was that let's say for instance, we'll take the 10 K um, 10,000 meters, like 30 minutes is, is a pretty good barrier for, for 10,000 meters. And it's like, you know, in Australia, there might be a handful of guys getting under 30 minutes. Whereas over in Kenya, there was just so many people running so many guys out training together that there's just so many more athletes getting under 30 minutes. And I think it's the environment, you know, success creates success. And what I noticed was everyone was doing it, you know, if someone did it, everyone did it, you know, it was like this, this, um, sense of camaraderie in the running and they had a great community. So it wasn't so much, I, I thought I definitely noticed that running with people and sharing, you know, sharing information, sharing training, you know, trying to push each other and get the best out of each other. I noticed that accelerating as an individual was far slower than accelerating as a collective or as a crew. And that's what the Kenyans do really well. They train together, they live together you know, they eat food together. Um, and there's definitely this, this sort of community spirit. Um, so I noticed that was really evident at the same time, simplicity, you know, it was just running. It was bare basics. There wasn't much science behind it. There was a little bit of nutrition. It wasn't much. It was, I was really sort of blown away by that. It was just simple food, wasn't refined. Um, and that sort of simple life sort of, I think sometimes we can overcomplicate really complicated, you know, not complicated things like running is such a simple process yet we can overcomplicate it so much. Um, and I find that the simplicity in it really sort of stuck and I sort of took that and ran with it. Yeah, definitely. Ryan. I think that's such an important message that you just said overcomplication and we do overcomplicate a lot of things in our life, you know, from, different lifestyle avenues to overcomplicating decisions and, and all those sorts of connotations that come across with that. And, and I find that really interesting and really evident through the nutrition space at the moment. There's so many different, you know, diets and lifestyle changes and, and different things that you can adopt, adapt. But once we bring it all back to basics and, and the one thing that everyone can agree on in that space is that fruits and vegetables are healthy. So that's a basic thing for me. Let's incorporate more of those things. And I think it's really 
simplicity is such an, an amazing thing and it lets you just be free. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of fads that come through and I've noticed in the nutrition world, even in the running world, you know, like, and not that it's a fad, that it's a bad thing, like try it on, give it a go, give everything a go perhaps. But yeah, when it comes down to it, basic and simplicity, you know, there's really nothing. It's, if you look at the, even if you look at some of the, the, the past athletes that used to run really well, you know, there, there wasn't much, it was quite simple. The stuff they did, if you strip it away, it was really quite simple. I mean, these days we get caught up in Strava and Garmin and training tools and like, you know, step counts and, um, you know, power meters and, and there's a lot of gadgets and so forth going around, but notice those runs where you sort of just take the watch off and you run in the bush and there's just a, such a simplicity to it. You know, you're not worried about pace. You just run on feel. I think that's where the magic is in running, you know, or in training or in anything you do, you know, when you strip away all of the gadgets, even like with, with nutrition, you know, all of the be healthier in, in five steps or, or all of these, you know, take, take these powders and lose fat or lose weight. You know, I think if you strip it all back and go back to basic, I think there's real merit in that. You know, it's, I find that really helpful and useful, just basic. I could not agree more with you there, Ryan. Now I'm really, really interested how yoga and meditation crept into your life. You mentioned that you had a setback with injuries, which led you down the duathlon path. Talk to me about what, uh, when yoga sort of crept into your life. Yeah, again, it was, I mean, as I said at the start, I, I definitely wouldn't think I'd be teaching yoga. I couldn't even really touch my toes. I used to sit on a bike a lot. I remember going into an osteopath. He was a really good, he was working with the Australian Olympic team, um, track and field team. And I remember going in and seeing this guy and I was an athlete at the time. I'd sit on the bike for, you know, four to six hours a day uh, with training and so forth. And I remember him saying, I said, you know, I had problems with my spine. I had problems with my lower back. I was getting a little pain in my lower back. And I said, you know, um, who has the best spines? He said, you know, like if you think about it, if you look at it, and if from my experience, I'd say cyclists have not the best spines, you know, for always that in that sense of flexion and um, forward sort of forward bend over the bike. He said, yoga teachers and you, people who practice yoga, the people that come in that practice yoga and that teach yoga have the best spines. And I was like, yoga, I didn't even really know what yoga was. Um, I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't really sort of dabble in it. Um, so I sort of, when I, when I actually got injured um, on the bike, I, I had a bad crash and I broke my hip in a few places and it was a long forced time off the bike and away from activity and including running. Um, as one of the, one of my good friends opened a yoga studio in Richmond and she said, you know, come along and let's do a bit of rehab and let's get the body moving again. So I started just going into this yoga studio and I actually really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the process of movement and, and connecting with connecting with breath. Now we did a lot of visualization and a lot of meditation, I guess you'd call it um, back in the racing days. So I was familiar with that aspect, but I actually didn't know that was yoga. But now I, you know, I realize that that's actually the yoga, you know, the, the, the movement and the postures is a, is definitely one part of the, the yoga, but it definitely lends itself to, I would say, the the big aspect of yoga which is the meditation and the mindfulness you know the the movement can is obviously in the west we look at the movement as yoga um but if you go to somewhere like india or you go over and you practice with um over there you know they'll look at meditation as yoga you'll say 
you might ask the question, oh, what did, did you practice yoga today? And, and, and they'll say, yeah, I meditated for you know, 30 minutes or they'll tell you about their meditation practice rather than what I sort of always thought about it, yoga as being these shapes and these postures that we do, which are def- definitely is yoga. Um, so yeah, I just started getting into it and I really enjoyed the movement and also the mindfulness uh, and just complimented um, where I was at in my life, I think. Yeah, love that, Ryan. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate for taking yoga off the mat. I know we will get into that later on as well. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not a huge practicer of yoga, if that's even a word. Um, I don't practice, I don't have a daily practice of yoga specifically on the mat, but I try and incorporate it into various different parts of my lifestyle. So a common example that I use all the time is when I'm stuck in traffic and, and you know, you're at a red light, you've just missed that red light. And, you know, it's so easy to get on the horn to the person in front of you that didn't move fast enough or, or, you know, crack the shits at the world, but instead practicing yoga and really trusting that where you're meant to be is the exact spot that you are and, and connecting with your breath. I think that's a, a real beautiful sense of yoga as well. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of cool that you're at that place, you know, that you can notice your triggers and sort of self-regulate, you know, isn't it? In, and I think that's the good thing about yoga. It kind of brings yourself, it brings you back to yourself. You know, you start to recognize where you're stuck perhaps in life and, and rather than sort of get triggered, like you said, at the lights, you know, could you do the opposite and train something different? So yeah, cool that you're, that you're already there. Love it, dude. And I guess before we take this conversation down the yoga and meditation realm, I'd love to get your personal definition of what yoga and meditation means to you. Yeah, movement. I mean, yoga and meditation for me, that's a, it's such a, um, that's a good question. For me, it means this opportunity to connect with something that's bigger than just me, you know, this sense of um, presence that, that's always sort of there. You know, I get to it's like you take off the somebody suit and you notice that there's what's underneath. And I think yoga is, a, is an opportunity for me to, and everyone has a different perspective, but definitely sort of get to know myself a little more and, you know, check in on my ego or check in on the things that where I get stuck or what triggers me, like we were talking about just then. Um, and the mindfulness, you know, in terms of mindfulness, it's like when, when that occurs, when, the, when everything sort of slows down, you're able to sort of see a little bit more clearly. So it's not so much. So mindfulness for me is this beautiful practice where you can just start to see things more clearly. There's this, there's this open presence to the experience rather than seeing the experience through your own filter or your own ego or your own opinion or perspective. I think it's when everything sort of slows down, you can, you know, you get to know the nature of the mind. You get to know the nature of how the mind will sort of, the ego will try to control things or control the outcome. And I mean, it's a loaded question definitely, but I don't know. It's hard to sort of conceptualize, but hopefully sort of someone out there sort of understood that, you know, when you, when the practice of yoga is slowing down, getting to know yourself a little bit more closer or deeply than, than just the external layer, as I said, you know, take off that somebody suit what's left. Yeah, I I totally agree with you there, Ryan. And I think I really love to highlight that definition with each individual person that's involved in the yoga and meditation space, because people utilize it for different sort of means, different reasons, and, and their why is completely different. And I really love your why. And it's you know, connection with something bigger than you. And I really love that as well, Ryan, because that's exactly how I think, you know, my practice of yoga is as well. You're not really worried about Sally in the corner who's holding a 
an arabesque pose and you can't even get into a down dog. It's all about you and you're focusing on your limitations and connecting to your breath in that moment. And, and you take away that sense of competition and, and there's no rat race going on. It's, it's specifically about you for however long you are on the map. Yeah. And like you said, you know, like even if the, even if Sally's in the corner doing, even if you're sort of doing a down dog or if you can't get into a down dog, notice how it's sort of like that could be a trigger to notice something deeper than the actual shape you know the shapes i definitely love the shapes as an aspect to move and free the body of tension but i notice that the shapes could also be a training ground to notice where we get triggered or notice you know otherwise notice if the shapes were just yoga then i mean how do you sort of navigate through your life with just utilizing these shapes that we practice in class you know i think if we peel back the physical element and the physical practice of yoga, there's something, you know, that's, there's some gold right in the middle underneath that. I think um, that's what's been fascinating for me. Cause if I just keep on trying to perfect shapes, perfect shapes, obviously it helps me move my body and, and, you know, align my body and get to know my body in space. But also I start to also notice my triggers or, you know, where I'm, where I'm stuck or, you know, where I compare myself or where I judge myself or, all those little things that, you know, sometimes if we get to know those, it can, can be useful to navigate through life with. Definitely. And there's so many different aspects to the practice of yoga. That's why I love how I've personalized it is. So great point there, Ryan. Now, I know a few people within my sort of community that have been on the yoga training journey, which is 200 hours of, of yoga training. And, and everyone tells me that it is such a soul searching time and you, you know, you enter as a person and you come out a completely different person. I'd love to get your perspective on, on what happened during your 200 hours of, of yoga training. And, and if you had any epiphanies and, and aha moments, or you decided that you were going to take a different um, route on your journey. Talk to us a little bit about that, Ryan. Yeah, it's a good question, Matt. I think, you know, everyone's experience is definitely different. Um, I talked to a lot of graduate teachers and, you know, you, like you said, you know, you come out perhaps a different person. I think you're just a more awake, you know, what my experience was, I just, I was just a little bit more conscious of the way I responded to people or conscious of the way I responded to myself or, you know, aware of my actions and how they influenced, you know, the the next moment in life you know um or how my actions influence others I, I think i was just a little bit more awake and receptive to how i was moving through life whereas i mean I, I not to say that i wasn't necessarily before um teaching yoga or practicing yoga but i think the training itself just sort of there was lots of pockets of inquiry where you actually sort of slow down and you have a you ponder you sort of get to know yourself a little more. And I think through that process, I started to, yeah, you could say you walk out a different person. You probably walk for me. I walked out the same person, but I think I was just a little bit more awake and attentive to, to life as it was happening. And, you know, I think that's been really useful. And the more I practice yoga and the more I do it, obviously that I just get more and more sensitive to that. and start to refine, you know, um, not so much refined, but just sort of get to know intimately how you act in life, how you move through life. And, you know, also even some of the questions like, who am I? You know, that's an interesting concept. We talk about that for a little while, you know, reading all of this literature and philosophy around who am I? So that's the, you kind of just question yourself a little, you know, who actually am I beyond the job, the identity, the, you know, the opinions, who am I actually? And I think that's been really useful um, 
to not sort of take things as such a big deal, you know, like, like we said at the start, notice that there's something bigger than you. So I found that really helpful um, when navigating things like pandemics. (laughs) Really relevant right now. Hey, really relevant. Yeah. I'd love to dive into the physical being of yoga and, and talk about the different types of yoga. Yeah, there's, I mean, there is such a vast amount of um, practices out there these days. And, um, you know, if you guys are out there listening and thinking about starting out in yoga, I think the good thing right now is that uh, what I was always sort of hesitant of in practicing yoga was, like you said, I thought I was sort of being judged. I'd go in and I couldn't touch my toes, you know, and I'm not, not lying to you. I, uh, my body was jammed up and I always thought that I was, I, was, I felt definitely out of place in a yoga studio. I was, I was um, so what's happened now is that everything sort of switched online and I realized that, that a lot more people are sort of starting their yoga journey online and, and feeling that they're quite comfortable to practice at home and be led by a teacher in a live class at home. And that's been really, you know, like we said at the start, not good or bad, just different when we were chatting off air. But if you're out there starting out, I think to explore some yoga online might be really useful. Now, like you said, Matt, there's so many different styles of yoga out there, things from more restorative, down-regulating styles such as yin or a slow flow. There's more sort of dynamic practices like vinyasa or power yoga or ashtanga. There's, there's many different ways to sort of get into the, the physical element of yoga. But at the same time, you can also explore things like meditation and breathing and pranayama. Um, so there's, I think you've got to sort of just meet yourself where you are, you know. And I think that's kind of cool. Like some people get into yoga because they want a physical workout and that's where they're at and that's kind of okay. You know, that's cool. And some people get into yoga because, you know, they really want to sort of settle their mind and they're interested in the mindfulness and the meditation qualities of yoga and that's where they're at and that's cool too. So I think wherever you are at life, there's a practice, you know, the practice will meet you there. And that's the unique thing about this practice. It kind of just meets you where you're at and it doesn't really necessarily matter from you know you resonate with a certain perhaps style of yoga i like the more dynamic style i felt that was more suited to my lifestyle um now i've sort of slowed it down a little bit more and i'm finding it's more useful to slow down and do more of a restorative practice more of a slower flow um but still like this strength and dynamic sort of yoga every now and again but yeah you just kind of just get it kind of get into it and realize that the practice will meet you where you are you know, we spoke about an athletics point of view, um, at, sorry, we spoke about before the benefits of yoga for athletes and, and how that mm. sort of mindfulness, stretching, um, physical movement benefited their sort of specific sport. And you use the term about, you know, the best sort of spines in the industry and that comes from yoga instructors. I'm really interested to talk about some other benefits from a physical place of view for athletes out there and why they should start incorporating some sort of form of yoga into their training schedule. Yeah, especially, you know, I definitely I've seen a big um, sort of influx of yoga in the professional sort of sport um, side of things, everything from AFL to you know, I, I was I was fortunate enough to teach swimming Victoria or swimming Australia, sorry, and you know, um, some AFL crew, some of the AFL players, basketball Australia. So I've noticed that across all team sports, and it's been really sort of fascinating that they're all sort of incorporating yoga into their either weekly or daily practice. So for me, from from that perspective, definitely like the movement side of things is a big plus. So you know, moving your body, not such for as a runner, I move my body in a very linear. Pa- pathway you know forward motion 
So yoga is sort of taking me off that forward or linear pathway and I've explored different parts of my body, different movement patterns, different angles, and that's helped my body actually with injury and sort of creating a, a stronger um, body. I noticed that, you know, some people go to the gym and really use their muscles in a way that's, um, I, if I look at a gym body compared to like a yoga body, I notice that um, the, the yoga body is still quite strong, but it's also quite supple, you know, like, so to, to have that strength and mobility at the same time, I think is really useful. So the physical practice is a big tick because it can lend itself to not only strength, but also mobility, flexibility, um, and really opening pathways where the body might feel a little bit more stuck, you know, so to reduce tension in the body, I feel, I feel like the mobility side of yoga and the movement patterns in yoga does help to sort of create less tension in the whole body and open the body up to, you know, counter some of our lifestyle habits, such as sitting on a desk or on a computer or on a phone. I think yoga has been really useful for that. And at the same time, yoga in, a, in terms of the mindfulness practice and the meditation practice, I found it's really useful as a practice wherever you are just to sort of get in touch, get to know the nature of thinking a little bit better or get to know the nature of the mind and actually through some of the practices and, and being able to be a little bit more present, you know, to slow down and, and start to you know be where you are. I've noticed that that can be really useful for athletes that, you know, if they're, if they're stuck in the pocket of some kind of peak experience where it might be challenging, then, almost as though you could self-regulate in that moment. You know, you could slow the breath. You could notice that the breath by slowing the breath or, you know, relaxing the, the muscles a little, relaxing the shoulders, it can actually help you self-regulate. And rather than be swept up in the challenge of the experience, you can actually meet the challenge with a little bit more ease and clarity and precision, if that, if that makes sense, you know? So I found the mindfulness is really useful just as much as the physical practice. I noticed a lot of the footy players, I was fortunate enough to be doing some one-on-ones with some of the, the footy, other AFL guys. And I noticed that they actually dug the mindfulness and meditation more so than they dug the physical practice, you know, the, the breath work and the meditation and the mindfulness stuff they thought was a lot more useful perhaps um, than the actual physical stuff. So, you know, I, I, found, I found that really fascinating. Plus to mention that if you're training a lot, you've got a heavy training load and a lot of it is quite, um sympathetic like it beats you up a little it's quite strong and challenging and you know can um, amp up the reg the nervous system then the practice of yoga might actually counter some of that and actually help you down regulate the nervous system and slow down and breathe a little slower and just help sort of balance the energy of the body out a little which is also quite useful as for athletes yeah, definitely. We spoke about so many different elements that it does target from a strength a strength aspect, a, a mindfulness, meditation aspect, connecting with yourself. Then we spoke about a recovery aspect. And I think it's it's a really, really important tool, you know, to not only get the best out of your game, but really thrive as an individual. And it helps you, you know, start to realize different elements that you mentioned earlier in the podcast that may be tight and, and how they can benefit your actual practice as an athlete in your designated sport. And guys, just for the listeners at home, when I say athletes, there's an element of athletes when they're in their specific field, but you are the athlete as well. You know, we can adopt these same sort of mentalities and same sort of practices that athletes take in their everyday life mm. yeah it is isn't it like and that's the thing i think we're all sort of athletes you know in in a way you know if 
especially I guess if you're tuning into this podcast, I'd say that there's some longing to to be healthy or be fit. It's a wellness podcast. I'm sure that you probably move in some way, shape, or form. And I think however you move is good movement. You know, even if you if you if you go out and walk every day and you walk a long way, you know, like think about all of the load that's being placed on your feet, you know, to create some mobility and strength through your feet might be really useful to continue work, walking for years and years to come. And, you know, I never really look at as, I look at all people as athletes these days. And that's why I really love running groups, you know, that are open and, and not so elitist that everyone can come. And some people might walk or some people might jog or, you know, wherever you are at that moment, there's a, there's a spot for you there. You know, you just do your best and, um that's all you can do so you're right you're so right you know i feel like everyone in, in some way shape or form is an athlete um to a, to, a, to a degree yeah definitely it's a spectrum right you know you can be at the elite level where you that is your job and you're fortunate enough to create a livelihood from being an athlete and then you can be at the beginner level where you hone in on different um, athletic sort of movements for various elements of your life so i really love that grounding aspect too now, Ryan, we spoke a little bit before about mindfulness and how we can take yoga off the mat. I know I use that analogy stuck in traffic, but I'd love to get your perspective on how to incorporate yoga into our everyday life and be able to influence, you know, different decisions that we make in our life. Yeah, um, I would say definitely you know, yoga is a practice, so it's not something, I mean, if you want to see some of the fruits of the mindfulness and meditation practice, I think it's from my understanding, mindfulness is best practiced little and often. So even if it was just a five minute little ritual every day to sit and breathe consciously, I've noticed that by doing so by just creating a little pocket of space in your day, then that space is something that you might sort of, it's a reference point to come back to. So you notice when you're getting a little overwhelmed or you're getting, cause isn't it true that sort of, reactivity just comes up it just comes up like that out of the blue doesn't it like some kind of it just just pops up so when you notice it pop up there's this idea that just as there's potential to sort of train that and strengthen that and put wood on the fire and, and you know turn a little ember into a full-blown fire there's there's just as much potential to notice that gap again you know to re change this channel and notice that there's a gap and i think the mindfulness and meditation practice has been really useful to connect with that sense of a gap you know when you slow down and you create a little bit of space and you practice in the morning the practice itself is almost like a training ground for life you know it becomes a training ground and reference point that you can come back to so a good analogy i always use is you know you miss the train and you get the next one so rather than sort of it becomes your own personal little world war it's just you know what i'm just going to get the next train so there's less perhaps reactivity you, you you're less on the front foot in in all the situations and that's really useful to not only navigate through your own experience but also how you meet others you know how you sort of respond and react with others you notice that well i could take my first thought which might be one of reactivity or i can notice that there's a second thought too and yeah so little and often would be my best sort of um if i was to ever give someone some advice for mindfulness create a ritual and more more importantly create a ritual that you can stick to so like anything in life if you have a goal i think you have to make the goal re realistic and i always started i'll just wake up in the morning pull my bed up go and brush my teeth or wash my face go to the bathroom and then that would be it i would sit for five minutes and just con consciously breathe i'd focus my breathing 
And that five minutes started to become 10 minutes and, you know, 20 minutes and it doesn't need to even progress. It just became a little practice, like a ritual that if I left the house and I didn't do it, it'd feel weird. It was like I didn't pull my bed up, you know? So I found that that's been really useful to reconnect to that gap. So, you know, some people, if I don't do it, some people might comment that, you know, what, what's wrong with you today? Something's different. And I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't do my meditation today. You know, that could be, it's not so much you see it, I think other people see it when you don't, you know? Great bit of advice there. And I think I, following on from that, the thing that sort of embedded some um, mindfulness and breath work into my habitual behavior was connecting it to an aspect that you're physically doing, for example, like my aspect to start connecting with my breath more is when I make a cup of tea. So while ever the, the kettle's boiling or at the moment I've got um, a coffee machine which has hot water coming off it and that takes about 30 to 45 seconds to get the cup full, that's my time where I connect with my breath and, and really, you know, nothing else matters besides that water filling to the top of the cup. And And I guess now after practicing that since the beginning of these lockdowns sort of three, four months ago, it's become a habit for me now. And I know that whenever I'm going to make myself a cup of tea, that's my time to connect with my breath. So I, I think that's a, another useful bit of advice to, um, to the listeners out there on where to start. Yeah. Like you said, right. Like we were talking about before, the more you practice something, it just becomes the norm, right? You wake up and it's, you know, now you make your cup of tea and it would be weird not to take your breath. <laughs> Wouldn't it It'd be like, you're not, you know, it's something that's quite normal. It's become so, so normal. And you're right. That's a good way to do it. You know, if you can, there's a beautiful practice called the pause practice. I think I always bang on about this one where you just stop and you take three breaths and then you just look out and just sort of be present with whatever you see, you know, it's like you change the channel for a little moment and you're just present in your day. Um, and as I said, that can be useful when you start to get a little overwhelmed or worked up, you can notice that actually I could, keep going down this path or I could do the opposite and I could reconnect with that space that I've done for the last 25 days or every time I've made a cup of tea. Love that aspect, Ryan. And you, and you spoke about, you know, choosing which path to go down. Like you can let that, I'll use the train analogy that you used before. You can miss your train and you can let that one event, you know, ruin your whole day and you can be salty about that for the rest of the day, or you can choose the other path and, and focus on, Oh, I'll just grab the next one. And, and that really resonates with me. I'm sure all of you guys listening would know of a great guy called Tony Robbins. And he always harps on about the power of choice is the greatest gift that we'll ever have because, you know, you can choose to let that situation impact the rest of your day or you can choose to let it fly out the window and 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 go on with your day and I, I really think it's such an amazing thing and once you start to to hone in on your choices and how much they can impact your overall quality of life and well-being and and it's the difference between having a good day and a bad day choosing how to deal with situations and obviously it's not that simple as missing a train sometimes there's other real shit that goes on in the world and i, I completely respect that but you know you the main element to that is that you still have the power of choice and you deal with however you know you want to approach that situation yeah totally and matt what you're saying i think you know leading on from that is notice how sometimes we can sort of move through the day and not notice anything like just have our our our, our attention is constantly buffeted by thinking we, we're thinking about this and then the next moment we're thinking about that so the practice of meditation is just to slow down and if you were to focus on your breath when you're having your cup of tea, if a thought comes up about, should I have sugar in my tea or should I have no sugar today? I don't I think I'm you notice that there's thinking, you come back to the breath and in that little pocket where you notice thinking, there's the choice, isn't there? There's a choice that you can continue to 
think about what you're going to have in your tea or there's a choice of coming back to the breath. And I think you're right. You know, when we, when we practice meditation, we start to connect with the choice a little bit more. We actually notice thinking come up. Whereas sometimes before I practice meditation and mindfulness, I was, it would be very rare that I would notice myself thinking I was just, my thinking pretty much ruled my actions and my life. So I wasn't really in tune with, well, actually a thought is just a thought and I can, I can empower some thoughts and by acting out on them or I can disempower others by letting them go. So yeah, you're totally right with that choice thing. Following on from your discussion about choice and things like that, when you're, and how your thoughts creep into your mind when you're on the mat doing yoga, on that note of thoughts, you know, it's not uncommon for people to think about everyday stuff while they're practicing yoga. And I'd really love to get your advice on tips on how to combat that. And I know that commonly we, we beat ourselves up when we're having thoughts during our meditation and that is a practice you work towards being able to combat those thoughts and letting them come and go. And I guess you could shed light on that a little bit more for us, Ryan. What, what do you do in that moment when you're, when you're practicing yoga, mindfulness, meditation, or what have you, how do you deal with the thoughts that of everyday life that come into your mind in that moment? Yeah. Good question, Matt. I had a great teacher once describe it. <laughs> he said something along, along the lines of, you know, try to get rid of thinking, go ahead, you know, try, try to do it. It's a pointless activity. You know, it's like thinking will always occur. And I don't think it's, it's a matter of fact of trying to get rid of thinking. I mean, if you meditate and you're present, thinking naturally will sort of slow down. But I think rather than trying to still the mind, it's, it's finding stillness within the movement of the mind. So even though there's movement of thinking and you're in a yoga shape and this thinking arise, it's almost like you, you, you're sort of not hooked by your thoughts. You, they, they don't carry your way into a whole, you know, dialogue or, or kind of narrative about the experience. You just notice there's stillness within the movement of the mind. So even though things are occurring and thinking's arising, there's still a sort of resting back. There's a, there's a stillness within that and you're less inclined to be hooked by every single thought that comes up. So yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, there are some ways rather than sort of the thinking mind and you could try this on the next time you practice yoga that it's to, to feel and think at the same time is pretty much impossible. So the feeling of yoga, yoga is a feeling practice. If you're in a yoga shape and you can feel the hands grip the mat, let's say you're in down dog and you can feel the, the length through the spine and the length through the side body, when you're feeling, you're not really thinking, you're feeling, you know, thinking will, will slow down. And when you're thinking, you, I mean, it's, 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 you can feel, but it's sort of the, the two don't really. So a good opportunity is if you're thinking a lot in a yoga practice or in any practice, kind of just come into what's, what are you feeling right now? See if you can connect with what your feeling is. And it might be, you might feel the breath or you might feel your hands grip the mat. And notice that when doing that, actually the feeling will automatically, you know, through feeling it will actually steady the mind. And that, that can be really useful because it's for a little pocket, for a little moment. I always like that analogy of changing the channel, like you change the channel and just for that little glimpse, you're right where you are. You're right in the, in the pocket of that experience. You know, you come back to that little moment, um, so try it on next time you sort of in a yoga shape or you're, you're really thinking, just kind of drop into the feeling, drop from the thinking mind into the feeling body and just check out what are you feeling right now? You know? And I think that's been really useful to, you're not trying to get rid of thinking. 
you're just um, you're trying to find stillness within the movement of all of that which is occurring. If you take nothing else but that out of this podcast, that's a win. That's such a great, useful bit of information. I think that, you know, you can adopt it to your practice and I definitely will um, adopt it to my practice, Ryan. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. I'd love to know how, you know, you touched earlier in the podcast on how yoga has changed your outlook on life and you use this current pandemic as, as um, uh, analogy for that. I'd love to know how it's done that. Yeah, I think... Um... Matt, that, that's a nice question. You, you're asking some belters today, mate. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I would say um, I definitely f- feel that, you know, in terms of um, the practice itself, it's lent itself to notice that when, when you get in touch with yourself and you get, you get a little bit more familiar with the mind and you get a little bit more familiar with perhaps emotions or whatever it is that comes up, you notice that they change, like thinking – like 20 minutes ago, we were thinking about something different. And right now we're thinking about what we're currently thinking about, you know, think, thinking changes, it's fleeting. It comes and it goes just like emotions come and go. And if you look back on life, I, I guess any challenging experience that you had has changed. You know, you've, you've learned from it, you've grown from it. You're, you're a different person now and something's changed. And, you know, even if you went for a run this morning, I went for a run this morning and I remember running up Anderson street, in at the 10 and if you ever know anderson street if you're familiar with that like it was a battle no matter how fit you are it's always a bloody battle that hill but i was running up anderson street and it was challenging and now i'm sitting in a seat in my bedroom and it's changed i'm relaxed so i've noticed that the more i've sort of practiced this stuff and 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 acknowledge this state of impermanence that things are impermanent they change then i'm able to relax a little bit more when there's something big that changes like for instance you know the world slows down you lose your job, you, you know, you, you, whatever it is, like you notice that it will change. And I think the ability to relax is the ability to be familiar with. So the more that you notice change, the more you're able to relax with it. So for me, the practice is acknowledging that actually through the mindfulness, through the meditation, I've acknowledged that things change, you know, my thoughts change and my emotions change. And, and as a result, I notice that moments change too in life you know one moment you're feeling it's smooth sailing and the next moment it's you're in stage four lockdown you know and and i noticed that this stage four lockdown is going to change too and then it might be smooth sailing again so yeah i found that i'm able to relax a little bit more um through doing this practice i've been able to tap into that um, acknowledgement of change Absolutely love that, Ryan. There's some great bits of advice and I'd love to dive down this change element. I, you know, I really think it's such an important aspect to grasp. And, and at the moment, me personally, I'm going through a little bit of a transition period, um, changing sort of different elements in my life, um, which I thought I was on the journey of. And now I'm jumping off and, and going on a different journey. I'd love to know how you embrace change and why it is so important to embrace change and not look at change from an, a negative aspect. And I think you know, this is a really, really relevant conversation that we can have about change at the moment because the world's been turned on its head. We've, you know, we've forced to change every single aspect of our life and the, and the way we perceive things have, have completely changed. How has it helped you embracing change and, and how has meditation and yoga influenced that and made it easier, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I think, again, it's that sort of familiar... Um essence like the more you 
notice that things change and the more you're able to be familiar. And when, it, when you're familiar with change, then the comfort within change is, is, is easier. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still learning this stuff. I'm definitely not the best person that, you know, I love, I love things to say the same, you know, I, yeah, it's like comfort. We always sort of seek out comfort, don't we? It's like, we want, we want to stay comfortable a bit. I noticed that within change, it's actually been the most pivotal times where I've grown, you know, I've learned, I've grown, I've overcome, I've been resilient. I've, I've jumped over obstacles and through the change, I've noticed that I'm the person that I am now. Now, not to say that, you know, you can't become a, a stronger, more resilient person without change, but I noticed that I, I think that change has allowed me to be, you know, to let go a little more, you know, when I hold on and when I hold on, I'm only stuck. And when I'm stuck, there's no real growth in that sort of stuck energy. Yet when I let go and I can accept that things are changing and I go with the rhythm of the change rather than resist the change and I let go, I notice that actually there's a lot of growth. And like you said, you know, when you, you, when you change your job, you leave one career behind and you get the next career. And sometimes you look back and you're like, wow, you know, I can't believe I didn't change earlier or, I can't believe I didn't do this earlier. You know, there's such, there's such wisdom and there's such knowledge in change. So I think if we can understand that change is actually a real positive and we can really grow and learn from change, then we're a little bit more perhaps um, able to relax with it, able to sort of in- embrace change. So I- I've sort of noticed that change is, well, in my life anyway, you know, it's been um, some of the great experiences has been in the most, challenging moments where there's been change um but i look at the growth within the middle of that and i've recognized that wow actually without that i wouldn't be the person who i am today so so true there ryan and your brain always wants to keep you in this state of comfort it's always looking out for you i did a post on um on instagram the other day about how i was so demotivated to exercise so I, I ate the frog and did a set of burpees and then after that you know like I was, I was feeling sweet and I guess my brain was trying to comfort me and keep me comfortable and look out for me through that whole time but through that element of change and my decision to just you know jump in and do it there was just some transformative nature that happened and and after that I had one of the best sessions that I've had in a long time and and that's coming from a fitness analogy but embracing that change and really like embracing the transformative aspect is um it's really it's beautiful for lack of a better term as well yeah and hey isn't that true you know if you if you sort of just i mean we go through different days you know one day you might be sitting on the couch sort of doom and gloom it's that you're a bit bummed out by what's going on in the world and and you know if you if you if you're in that position like you said you just got up and you did something you just change the energy instead of that stuck energy on the couch you just got up and you may, even if it's just like do something go up and make a cup of tea there's a shift you know you change the energy and i think that can be really useful and like you said you felt a lot better after it remember that i think there was that quote it's like no one ever felt bad after ex- or no one ever felt worse off after exercise or something you know like exercise can do that go outside and walk around the block or go outside and look up at the sky, just shift the energy. And I think through shifting the energy can have a really sort of useful um, impact on the rest of the day and the movement and the momentum of the day. Definitely. And there's so many physiological effects that happen when you start to move your body, but that mental aspect is huge for me. And, and 
yeah, you, you highlighted that in, in what you were just saying then, Ryan. I think um, something just resonated me as we were, just, we were chatting then and, and shifting the focus on how you're feeling in that moment can be the, the catalyst for change as well. So if you really connect with how you're feeling on the couch and, for example, you're, you know, you're sitting down there and you're, and you're feeling you know, um, fatigued and lethargic and, and suddenly getting up and moving your body and making yourself a, tea, a cup of tea, then connecting with how you're feeling again and you're suddenly feeling energized. And I'm not saying that happens all the time, but really connecting with how you feel can be the catalyst for change, I think. Yeah. And, and isn't it, you have those days where you just, it's okay to sit on the couch and not do much, but if it's not useful, if it's not helping you or if it's not really being of any use, then I think, like you said, shift the energy and that can be the, the catalyst for what happens next. Like this, you plant this, the moment right now is the seed for the next moment, isn't it? You know, right. What well, your action right now and what you're thinking right now is the, is the seed for the next moment and what you, you know, where you go with the day. Love that. Love that little quote. I might steal that off you there, Ryan. Your, your, the moment now is in influencing the net mo- next moment. I love it, man. Mm. Now let's change the pace a little bit, Ryan. Let's, let's show the, the listeners the incredible power of meditation. I'd, I'd love for you to guide us through a, a short two or three minute meditation and, and, you know, give the, the community a, a little teaser of what connecting with your breath and, um, and the powers of that really behold. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be fantastic. Well, why don't we just sit for a couple of minutes? So if you're at home and I always sort of say be comfortable with your meditation and that might be you sit against the wall or you sit against your back against the chair. Um, so if you're at home and Matt, I know you're there sitting on your seat at home. So let's just find a comfortable position to sit and we'll close down the eyes if it feels okay. You know, if it's the first time that you've been still today, notice what it feels like just to slow down and be still. And then take a moment just to notice the sitting posture. So how you've set up the seat. And if you were to sit in a way that feels spacious and open, notice any little movements or adjustments that are appropriate or necessary. So the spine is long and the chest is broad. And then can you keep that and just notice the face, see if you can relax the face. It might be the jaw or the space between the eyebrows. Slide down through the, the throat. You might relax the throat. And keep the, the spine long, but notice the shoulders. You feel the shoulders relax away from the ears. The arms are soft. And then finally down into the belly, can you feel the belly relax and soften? And then notice it's a little more subtle, but can you feel the belly breathing? Notice the the movement of the belly with breath. 
And then from the belly, can you start to notice the ripple of the breath? So the, you might feel the breath in the sides of the ribs, perhaps up in the chest and the shoulders. Stay with the breath here and, and notice the exhale. So in particular, the, the exhale. And as you breathe out, notice if you could relax more. Feel the body soften more. The, the inhale is just a purely a waiting period for the exhale. And each time the breath goes out, can you relax and soften? It's obvious that if thinking occurs, you know, if the mind drifts a little, not a problem. Just notice that. See if you can come back to the feeling of relaxing on the exhale, softening as the breath goes out. And be right here with the breath as it, as it leaves the body. Just a moment or two longer here. Exhale, softening and relaxing. You could stay with the technique on the breath or at this point, just let the technique gently dissolve. So let go of the technique. And just for a little moment in the day, be here now. What's present for you now? Notice even though there's, there's movement, perhaps can you connect with that stillness? Stillness right in the middle of movement. So as you're ready, just allow the chin to fall down towards the chest. So feel the back of the neck long. And when you're ready to blink the eyes open, just a few times you might open and close the eyes. And then when you're ready to lift the gaze, go ahead, 
lift the gaze and relax. Okay, so thanks guys for sitting. Hopefully you got an idea of that sort of stillness aspect perhaps, you know, when you, we start with the physical body and then we start with the, the then we go into the breath so it's a little more subtle. And then you, perhaps through connecting with the breath, you start to steady the mind. And then that last, last little pocket, that beautiful perhaps element where even though there's movement, there might be thinking moving around or the breath's moving, or even sound, someone outside's moving around. There's a sense of perhaps resting back in that stillness. Um, so hopefully you, you connected a little with that. Thanks for practicing. And Matt, thanks for, Letting, allowing me to sort of teach you little meditations. It's lovely to sit with you guys. Ryan, that was incredible, man. I, I can't thank you enough. It was so powerful being able to connect with, um, with the breath for, for a little bit. And, you know, I'm a bit jumbly with my words after that, if, that's, if it's not evident about how powerful that was. And I guess, guys, I'd really, and I know Ryan would love to know how you found that meditation. That was only a short five-minute teaser of how powerful that that can be and how it can change the energy of the whole day. So if you're listening and, and you got something out of that, please shoot us both a message and, and let us know that you're listening and let us know what resonated for you during that five minutes. And I guess another little side note is that that's all it takes. It's only five minutes to experience these sorts of of amazing effects that it doesn't have to be a 45 minute practice. It can, it can start with just a two to five minute little practice connecting with your breath. So thank you so much, Ryan. Matt, thank you. Um, not a problem. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, as I said, so, you know, I'm all about community and collaboration. They're my two main values. So to, to connect with a different community and if I'm only first meeting you for the first time, it's, you know, lovely to sort of connect and, I think that's what it's about, you know, being able to connect and collaborate with people and share information and we grow as a crew. Uh, I'm really all aboard that sort of rhythm in life. Couldn't agree more, man. Connection and community are two of my highest values as well. And now before we cut this podcast off, I'd love to know what your main message is, Ryan, and why do you get out of bed each and every day? Uh, main message, did you say? Yeah, so I did. Um, main message would be just, um, kindness. I'd say, you know, just to, to connect with that sense of kindness, this, this rhythm that, you know, you can kindness to yourself, kindness to others. And I think, you know, kindness to the planet when we slow down and we sort of notice, you know, what's, what's happening in the world. I think if we meet it with kindness rather than aggression, I think there's, there's real sort of value in that just to, to meet the world with kindness would be. And, and again, that sort of stems from being able to sit and get to know yourself and get to know, you know, the nature of things and reality of how it is. But I think kindness is a good one, you know, whether you're sitting at home and you're not exercising at the moment or, you know, you're sort of down in the dumps a little, just to sort of be kind to that. Notice it's a moment in your life that will change and, you know, it's a moment perhaps to be experienced. Uh, I think that if we all sort of have a little bit more kindness, it, I would say, you know, it's a it's a beautiful quality. It's a quality that we all have. We're just trying to uncover kindness, I'd say. So, yeah. Absolutely love it, dude. You really hit home with that main message. And, you know, I've been following your journey for quite some time now. It's been awesome, you know, being so connected with you, but so distant at the same time. And you're doing some incredible things in this space. And it's really evident through that five minute practice that you took us through before. I'd love to know what your future plans are and what's, what's next in line for Ryan Mannix. 
Yeah, I think a lot of us are sort of sort of questioning. Uh, it seems like you're having a bit of a change in, in your pattern as well. And I think we're all sort of questioning what's next. Um, I would say I'm just going to keep going down this yoga path. I really enjoy the yoga and sort of mindfulness element. And if I get to connect with crew and be able to teach more people, you know, that's uh, whatever I sh- I'm, I'm sort of learning. I have this, this um, enthusiasm to share through teaching. So I think I'm going to keep the teaching going and I really enjoy mentoring, you know, as a, as an athlete, I always haven't had a mentor and a coach. And um, so I'm sort of getting dipping my foot in the, the mentoring sort of side of things with the yoga teaching. And I'm really inspired by some of the new yoga teachers that are coming through um, Melbourne and Australia. And I've been fortunate to have a um, mentoring program that allows me to connect with a lot of these guys. So that's, um, that's, I guess, what's next, just to continue building on what, what, what already is. Love it, man. So simple and so so amazing. And uh, I enjoy, look, I look forward to seeing what incredible things you can get up to in the future, Ryan. For any listeners out there that really resonated with the things that you were saying or would love to get in contact to join one of your practices, where can they find you? Yeah, um, so at the moment, if you're at home, um, I have... A, some classes during the week um i'm just connecting with the the communities and the studios that have really sort of um helped me along my path i've got a studio called yoke yoga that i teach on uh, their online platform it's a ten dollar membership per week and there's unlimited classes and there's like 21 live classes a week i only teach three classes on that a week and then happy melon yoga studio in armadale um, is also online and I'm teaching most days for them. There's also a couple of, if you Google on you or if you type in on YouTube, Ryan Mannix, you'll have some free classes as well. Meditation and yoga that you can do from the comfort of your home, um, on YouTube at, uh, no cost. So if you're, if you're keen to get movement moving and you sort of want to explore this yoga thing, there's some options for you for sure. Love it. And I'll have those in the show notes for you guys. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your incredible journey. And and I can't thank you enough for taking us through that little five minute meditation. It was so amazing. And it's changed the, the um, flow of the rest of my day. So I really appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to watching your journey. Thanks, Matt. And thanks to all the listeners that um, connected. Uh, hopefully you guys are doing well during this period, wherever you are in the world. Wow, how good was that? Ryan, thank you so much for taking us through that guided meditation. Every time I listen to that, I experience a different feeling and it's just amazing that you gave us the opportunity to be able to go within for that five minutes, something that is not really common in podcasts, but really grateful for that. Guys, hopefully you got something out of this episode there's so many gold nuggets of information and hopefully this little snippet of meditation is the catalyst for you connecting with your breath and going within more often if you like the show guys don't forget to leave a rating and review on itunes and also if you were listening to the show i'd love to know your feedback as i mentioned in the intro let ryan and myself know that you're listening by posting it on socials that's all from me friends i hope you have a wonderful weekend and i'll see you next time